took the PJ, private jet, to heaven in the last 24. Wanted to share with y'all how beautiful it was. Also ran into Jesus and we hugged it out. Oh my God, this caption is unhinged. Are you ready to laugh? Am I ready to laugh? Yeah. I feel like this is going to be a laugh filled episode. I'm always ready to laugh. Speak like we laughed a lot last episode. I feel like if you guys haven't listened to the last episode, just because it was a little bit longer than normal, please go listen to it. Cause I genuinely think it's one of the best episodes we've ever done. And I was laughing oh, out wow. loud. I was laughing out loud, listening to it, even though I like, I was there, like I was there when we recorded, obviously, but it's you were funny. In fact there. <laughs> it's funny. It's fun talking about things that we despise. I received some messages too saying that this was a good episode. So yeah, see, and I think this will be a good one too. Although I've been tasked well, by Ely to try and keep it an hour or less. Okay. I'm trying to respect the 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 promise we made at the beginning yes. of the season where we said we were gonna keep them okay. under an hour. <laughs> yes, you're right. Well, we're gonna have to try really hard because I like I think I have like eight entertainment stories. Okay, well, let's so just get into I, it. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about how your little you're ready to was. laugh. I was going to ask you about your trip was, and I was going to, you know, oh. give a little parable about um, us trying to get home last night from the airport, but maybe it's not worth it. Well, if you want to know all that stuff, you can follow us on social media. You hear Sherry uh, in the back? Uh, no, what's she doing? Oh, you can't hear her? No. <laughs> oh, never mind. Although I will say, you guys, uh, I had to record. So I was watching Sherry while Ely was gone, and I had to record an episode of my Glee podcast with Nick while I was at Ely's place. And now I totally get how like Sherry could be 100% fine. Like literally the hours before I was recording with Nick, she was so chill, laying down, doing nothing. As soon as you turn that zoom on and start talking to another person, she was like, oh my God, the potential for attention is not on me. And she goes bananas. And you know, it's funny. So she's coming with me on a work retreat this week. And I already know that I feel like she's going to be the perfect angel because there's going to be two other people in the room. And I feel like she's going to be like, oh my gosh, like, and they're going to give her, I know they're going to give her attention. So she's going to go up to him and be like, okay, I don't know about that. She's going to have the time of her life this week. No, when I come over, she gets rambunctious. So I don't know about that. I feel like that's because she's comfortable with you now. Now she's like gunky. Yeah. She knows who you are. She's like, it's whatever. I'm going to act a fool if I feel like it. (laughs) Interesting. Um, yeah. If you want to know how my trip went, you can just follow me on Instagram and like my most recent posts. Cause I look cute. I looked cute. <laughs> you, you did look cute. You continue to look cute. And we did not post about the journey back last night, but let's just say DC is poorly planned out and crazy ass drivers. You should not be like shutting down a majority of a highway to repave it. Uh, just if you uh, live in awful. DC, just don't. It's awful. It's just ironic because I I offered to pick you up from the airport because I thought it'd be quicker than you taking the metro, but it probably would have been quicker for you to take the metro last night because of the traffic we experienced. Indeed, it would have. <laughs> but that's anyway, problem. let's move on to try and stay on time. So right, I only off. have a couple of actual news stories, and the theme for the mm-hmm. news is hmm, interesting. Oh, okay. That's the theme. So first of all, I want to talk about uh, Florida Governor. Ron DeSantis, and I want to sound the alarms now. Alarms been sounding, but I personally want to sound them now because you guys, he's probably going to be the number one challenger to Trump in 2024 for that GOP nomination uh. for president. Uh, and it's scary because he's going full fascist. 
first of all, we already know about his don't say gay bill in Florida, that bullshit. Yeah, that we knew. Yeah. And now he's like creating pomp and circumstance around uh, arresting people for quote unquote fraud in the 2020 election, which is still a thing that fucking Republicans care about, a uh, concerning number of them actually. So he put on a press conference and it was actually kind of shady because he did it in Broward County, Florida, which is actually very democratic. So the fact that he chose that as the county for this press conference is interesting. Yeah, two-faced. But he announced the arrest of 20 people (laughs) accused of illegally voting in the 2020 election. Oh my God. Uh, He claims that these were all former felons, but apparently the law in Florida is confusing because like obviously, obviously those convicted of murder or a felony sexual offense don't qualify, but there's a big gray area where apparently a lot of felons themselves and their families literally don't understand what the voting rights are. Uh, So, but according to DeSantis in this press conference, all the ones that were arrested fell into those categories of murder or felony sexual offense. We could choose whether to believe that or not, but I just don't like, I just, it's just kind of concerning because this is, I guess, a very, very fascist throwing a press conference to be like, guess what? We have arrested uh, illegal voters. And I fear that this is going to continue and it's going to bolster even more that sector of conservatives, that large sector that still believe that the 2020 election was a fraud. Right. So watch out for that, Ron. He's a dirty, dirty, disgusting man, and he's coming for the presidential also, election. Also, funny you brought this up today on a Tuesday because today's the Florida primary. Ironically. Oh, it is? I didn't mm-hmm. realize that. Yeah. Go vote. So, I don't yeah. think I know anyone in Florida, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I know anyone in Florida either, but if you're listening to this and you're from Florida, make sure that you voted today. Um. Well, Wait, are you saying Thursday, the day this releases the primary? Oh, shit, or today, you're Tuesday? right. I forgot. Okay. Obviously, they're not going to hear this. If you're <laughs> listening to this from Florida, you better have voted on Tuesday. I hope you voted or we're <laughs> coming for you. Yeah. I also don't know anything about what's on the ballot. So, <laughs> but you know what? You show up regardless. I mean, this sounds negative, but I kind of feel like Florida's a lost cause. But I mean, Georgia hey, flipped. I so. was literally just going to say, if Georgia's not a lost cause, then... Florida is not a lost cause. I firmly believe that there are no red states. There are just, there's just a lot of voter suppression. That is true. It's funny. I actually, for work recently, I just turned it in yesterday. I wrote like this 12 page cost of living report for Atlanta. Cause that's where one of our clients are. Oh my gosh. And it turned into like legit something I could probably submit for like an urban studies class. <laughs> and I actually had to talk about Georgia flipping blue because it affects the demographics of young people coming into the state or coming totally. into Atlanta specifically because that's like the blue dot of course in Georgia. Right. Anyway, well, let's move on. Okay. Uh, continue with this theme of interesting. This is a wild, disgusting story, but I felt like I had to talk about it. Okay. So, former Las Vegas real estate broker and property manager <gasps> Alan Rothstein is being sued for harassment, fraud, and housing law violations in federal court after he allegedly required a woman to sign a housing contract that promised she'd give him blow jobs for five years. Ew, what the hell? So Candy Torres, she filed her complaint against him and the property owner or the owner of the property, Kyle Putney. Um, She sought to rent from Rossina Putney with her five kids 
And she claimed that during this process of trying to rent from them, Rothstein demanded that she give him a hand job. And when <gasps> she refused, he required her to sign a contract titled direct consent for sexual intercourse and or fellatio or cunnilingus before he would allow her to rent the apartment. What the hell? This is also section eight housing, by the way. And Alan Rothstein is a white dude, if you couldn't tell. So that just makes it extra icky. But just like the gall to do this, I want to read an excerpt from this contract. Okay. I can't believe he wrote this quote, the respondent hereby and freely gives their total consent to the initiator to engage in sexual activities with the respondent with the understanding that sexual intercourse as defined by the state of Nevada will occur. This consent and agreement is valid for the period of five years and does hereby freely give implied consent to consecutive or concurrent sexual encounters between the respondent and the initiator. The contract also stated that Torres must agree that she didn't have any partners or parents who are, quote, larger, meaner, and more physically aggressive, owns firearms, and or is more possessive than the initiator. What the fuck? I am, I have no words. I know this legit. What like, in the like, world? Like, uh, like you said, the gall to... And I'm like, is this the first person that he's done this to? Why does he think he can do this? Yeah, probably not. It's it's really insidious, you guys. I mean, this, if anything, proves there is true evil in the world. Because, of course, a lot of people, a majority of people expecting normal like leases or rental contracts will will sign the papers like I didn't literally anything without reading it. Yeah, I didn't sign my 18 page. I mean, I didn't know that. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, maybe you should start reading it, but read the fine print. But that's yeah. unfortunate because then everybody has the means to like hire a lawyer to look over their lease or like, you know, to spend yeah. the time to read their 18 page lease agreement. Ew. I mean, luckily, because you cannot do this, this does file, violate multiple like housing laws. Luckily, uh, I, yeah. think, I think Candy Torres will will have victory and will have justice. Candy Torres doesn't win this lawsuit. I'm going to Las Vegas to protest this. Yeah, it's disgusting. That is an injustice against humans everywhere yeah so if i just she, want to talk if about she doesn't it. win this wow i'm shocked that's why i'm shocked I, that somebody would have the the caucasity to do something like this i know yeah i was reading the story on vice it was kind of like an editorial and i was i was like what the also fuck? like <laughs> why would you even like truly like why would you again the audacity to do something like this when it's literally written in a legal documentation like if somebody sees this they could literally take you to court and you will lose and you still risked it anyway idiot I'm very disgusting confused. idiot. Anyway, my last story. I'm very excited about this because it's been all over Wisconsin news. Oh, really? Okay. So yes. Nick actually made me aware of this. And then I saw it on NPR the same day. There is a <laughs> USA mullet championship. That's now a thing. Um, according to organizers, this contest has grown from being local in Michigan in 2020. Apparently that's when it started to a quote, national extravaganza <laughs> of flamboyant and questionable taste. <laughs> Contestants pay $10 to enter and all of the donations are going to the Michigan Wig Foundation for Kids. Although I'm a That's little cool. confused because the first prize gets a $2,500 prize. So how many people are entering this where they're able to like provide funds for the prize and donate? And donate. Um, Hopefully there's not know. some shady shit going on there. But uh, this article in particular is so funny because it showcases the kids that have entered into this com- uh, competition. And 
I, if you haven't already, I need you to click on the article because the kids that they feature, first of all, their mullets are fucking wild. <laughs> they're insane. And they're, they're so little. And How do they have hair like this? Their names are such like, like you would expect kids with these names to have mullets. We have Rustin from Pocahontas, Arkansas. Cash from Ulysses, Kentucky. Epic mm-hmm. from La Jolla, Texas or La Jolla. I don't know. I don't Fisher know. from Hillard, Florida. And like, those are such mullet kid names. <laughs> and I think it's funny. And I hope they win. I hope they win too. So this has been like in Wisconsin news. I think they just announced some of the winners like yesterday or earlier today, because um, I think one of the winners is uh, someone from Wausau. Oh. So, which of course, somebody from Wisconsin would be in a competition like this. Yeah. I'm trying not to read into it too much because this does seem like something that would be like, a bastion for Trump supporters and the like, <laughs> but hopefully the kids are having their fun and the proceeds supposedly go to a good cause. So that's good. I'm just these pictures. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> They're wild. You guys, if you want to see the pictures, just Google like USA mullet championship, specifically the kids. You would yeah, not expect wild. kids to have hair this gnarly, but also like for how little some of the kids look, I'm like, where did mm-hmm. all that hair come from? Well, I hope that they are like actively, they want to participate and their parents aren't just forcing them to do this for the cash. But, but I'm just like shocked <laughs> that they have this much hair. Like I know. this little kid, Rustin, that's a, that's a baby. <laughs> How is his hair so long? Do white people just grow hair like that? <laughs> I mean, some of us do. I'm shocked. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, let's move on to music. Okay. We actually, I'm so excited because yesterday when the charts for this week came out, I immediately was like, we need to talk about this. So this might come as a shocker to you guys, but Nicki Minaj had never gotten a number one on the Hot 100 until her uh, remix of Say So with Doja Cat in 2020. That's crazy. Not even super bass. Never had a number one on the Hot 100. She'd come super close, but never got there until 2020. And now her song, Super Freaky Girl, which has been like all over TikTok, um, just debuted at number one on the hot 100. Oh. And, um, this is her first time getting a, hot, a number one on the hot 100 as a soloist. So the other two times she's gotten number one have been, um, like features or collaborations. This is her first time reaching number one as a soloist. And I'm like, I don't think we understand, like, this is a big deal. And also this is the first, um, hip hop song by a female artist to debut at number one since Lauren Hill. Really? Yes. See, that's funny because I just, I guess I saw her star kind of fading, especially after her anti-vax comments and that BS that we covered. Yeah. But I guess not. I mean, she's obviously talented, but I also feel like her music releases are very sparse. Well, because she at one point had announced that she was like retiring and wasn't going to make oh, any yeah. more solo music. Everyone does and then, that these days. I know. And then she like <laughs> previewed this on TikTok and everybody went like nuts. I feel like because it's been on TikTok for so long, that's what enabled the song to go so high so fast. But I also think it's interesting that a female hip hop song hasn't debuted at number one since in decades, which is so interesting to me because I feel like the female sector of hip hop is... I feel like it's relatively popular, but apparently not as much as we think if they like can't reach that high on the charts. Like someone as big as Nicki Minaj only has three number ones on like, that's crazy. It's giving her whole career. Yeah. It's giving racism. It's giving misogyny. (laughs) It's giving a lot of things. Y'all need to stop listening (laughs) to Travis Scott and start listening to Nicki Minaj. I agree. (laughs) She's not responsible for the deaths of innocent people. 
um, there was also drama about that years ago when she released her album Queen because Travis Scott. So if you don't know, like part of the like ways that you can like boost your song on the Hot 100 in addition to like streaming, airplay and purchases is like merch sales. And so when World came out, Kylie Jenner did an Astro World line of products on Kylie Cosmetics, and that was counted as Astro World merch, which allowed for Astro World to be ahead of Nicki Minaj's album on like all the charts because like it really boosted the sales for this album for like that album. That's so dumb. that was like a lot of drama right there. Yeah. Very, very interesting. There's a lot of ways that celebrities can manipulate the charts. Like Ariana Grande and Justin Bieber were accused of doing that in 2020. Um, yeah, it's kind of a lot. And also low key, I think um, Nicki Minaj's second number one was also kind of accused of that. And <laughs> when that came out too, it was like her song with 6ix9ine, Takashi 6ix9ine. I don't remember the actual name of it, but um, it was some weird song that debuted at number one and then like left the charts the next week. So <laughs> It's very, yeah, very fishy, but this I will applaud because, you know, good for her <laughs> as we, as we good say, for on her. Podcast. good for her. Okay. I don't know if this is new news, but I think it's interesting and a little preview for what we will definitely be talking about next week. Um, but Jack Harlow, Nicki Minaj and LL Cool J are slated to be the MCs for the 2022 VMAs, which are on Sunday. Wait, why aren't they calling them hosts? Um, I feel like we're kind of over the era of hosts. <laughs> I don't know. Talk to the Oscars about that. They said we're bringing <laughs> hosts back. <laughs> I feel like they're avoiding the term host because people see hosts and they're like, oh, I feel like it's kind of a rebrand effort. Like, I think they're using the word I MCs so. just because that's really what a host is on. You know, I don't know. I feel yeah. like it's a rebrand thing because I feel like if they would have said host, I would have been like, OK, <laughs> Um do we but think yeah. Nicki Minaj is going to make a reference to the infamous <laughs> Miley What's Good Miley that happened good. on the VMA stage? You know what we should ago? do? Oh, we should have done this this week, actually. We should just make a compile a bunch of classic VMAs moments to look back on. <laughs> <laughs> next time, next time. Yes. Um, I mean, y'all already know the VMAs pop off every year, so this will be exciting. <laughs> um, but we'll talk about it next week. Mm. Okay. Now, something that happened in between uh, the last time we did like a regular format recording and now Megan Thee Stallion released a whole ass album. Crazy, right? Um, but more interestingly, she has filed a lawsuit against her record label again, demanding over a million dollars against her record label, saying that they helped leak her album before it was released and because that they failed to pay her royalties on her music. Um, and I think we've talked about this before. Um, Megan Thee Stallion basically has to take her label to court every single time she wants to release new music, which is very frustrating for her, obviously. Um, and so right before she announced that she was releasing this album, she tweeted, y'all know, I always have problems with dropping my music under this label, all these games and having to go to court just to put out my art has been so stressful. Thank you hotties for rocking with me through the bullshit. We almost out. Let's stay focused and run this last one up. So this is her officially her last album with this um with this label. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is her last album with this label. And so finally, I think she's just trying to get shit wrapped up. Sure, he said, wrap this shit up oh God, because no, I need attention. It's because my neighbor's <laughs> dog is super yappy and he's very oh reactive. 
to any like seeing other people or other dogs. So any basically anytime she opens the door to go out, like he goes, "Ah." Yes. Oh my God. Okay. I first of all love that I can't hear you right now because it's so high pitched, but it's relevant because I know what you're talking about. I didn't, I guess maybe they were gone or something the first time I watched Sherry, but I didn't notice it until this time. That yeah. dog has the most annoying yap bark I've ever. It sounds like a human being doing a yap, but it's a dog. Yeah. What? The first you know time I heard it, it I was like, what the hell is that? I've seen, she has like three of them and she has to carry them because they're like so reactive. Like, like if no. they see people or anything, they immediately like go crazy. So yeah, the dog does that. Are they like white? frou-frou dogs i hate those type of i think they're like similar breed but they're not white they're like black but they're like little poodly frou-frou dogs i feel like they're not i don't want to say poodly but they're like yeah they're like little dogs and yeah every time what that Mm. one barks shuri barks of course because she's like what the hell is that and i'm like girl hey i hear you i (laughs) i would be barking too if i heard that Anyway, um, I what is with these contentious artist label relationships recently? Okay. I feel like it's happening a lot. And I know Here's that they're the very thing. powerful. So artists can't always just go independent unless they're super right. big. But well, this is the problem too that I I think happened with Megan Thee Stallion, that definitely happened with like Taylor Swift. Um, these record labels are incredibly predatory to like young people. Mm-hmm. Like, think about when Taylor Swift first started releasing music. She was really young, she was a teenager. And Megan the Stallion is actually very young too. She's our age. Um, so you know, and it's like they're predatory to young people and they're predatory to people that just like want to start releasing music and want to make it big. And so somebody responded to her tweet and they were like, This just goes to show that like young people will sign anything that is put in front of them without actually realizing it. And she's like, yes, this was when she responded to it and was like, yes, this was 100% a lesson for me, like not doing that ever again. I mean, obviously now she has the means to not do that ever again, right? Like she has lawyers, she has people that can actually read all these documents, but like, think about being 15 and like somebody comes up to you and they're like, we want you to be on our label. Like we want to release your music. Like that's crazy. And I think the thing with Taylor Swift was that like, her parents just read her contract and then let her sign it. So it was like, you know, people, when you're a teenager, you don't, you don't know. So I think it's, it's very common, obviously in this industry. So just glad Megan is free. Somebody retweeted, she retweeted somebody's reply to that was like, we free like Harriet Tubman. (laughs) Oh my God. To freedom. (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, it, it happened to Charlie XEX this year too. Like she finally got out of her, it was like a five record deal that she signed when she was, I think she was 18. This was like before even, um, boom clap. So like years, her whole career basically. And she finally got out of it. Or even look at Kesha, who's somebody who's being forced legally to make music with their abuser because they can't get out of a contract that they signed as a young person. It's kind of crazy. That's actually, that case is really sad, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all I had for music. All right. Let's get into this entertainment. Hefty entertainment segment. Jesus Christ. Sticking to theme, entertainment. The first half has one theme and the second half has another theme. We love theme. The first half theme is streaming slash HBO. Get your fucking shit together. (laughs) (laughs) And the second half is celebrities and entertainment figures apologizing for things or rebuttaling things. Some of it necessary, some of it not. Anyway, so the first story is kind of crazy. So you would have thought, given how big streaming services are, that this would have happened already, but it hasn't. For the first time in TV history, the month of July, so last month, 
-hmm. streaming overtook cable, according to Nielsen, for the first time in terms of like percentage share, which is crazy to me. Like I, I would have thought that would have happened earlier, but I guess not. So hmm. uh, it, it is the most watched platform across the TV landscape. And they accounted for 35% of all TV usage in the US. This is again, according to Nielsen. So this is up more than a full percentage point from June. And they the streaming usage has increased steadily every month since March. And of course, July's numbers was fueled mainly by Stranger Things on Netflix, which apparently racked up 18 billion minutes of viewing over the course of July. Again, because that content was so long. <laughs> well, yes. And mediocre. I mean, anyway. and because, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course, this is also people rewatching older seasons too. Oh, that's true. That's but true. A shit ton of people watch right. Stranger Things of for us. Of course. Uh, so cables usage is 34.4% and broadcast is 21.6%. And they both hit their lowest points in the 15 months that Nielsen has been releasing the platform rankings. And cable is down 9% from the same month last year and broadcast is down 10%. So it really goes to show you that TV is dying. Wow. And I do believe that, I don't know, probably in the next 10 years, I really think it's going to be Obsolete. gone but yeah. also it, it goes to show because i like i said i thought that i thought that streaming would have achieved this milestone a while ago but it goes to show how many older people are still consuming cable and broadcast like the good old days <laughs> i mean think about how many baby boomers there are that probably still had cable they're such a large generation yeah but i also wonder like so like my mom for instance and my my dad too i think they both have youtube tv i wonder Ooh. if that counts as cable or streaming it probably mm. counts as cable because it's it's know, still though. it's still live tv that they're tapping into that's a good question actually i would be willing to look into that yeah mm. my parents both still have cable but well actually i feel like they're going to be one of those people that they're going to be those people that have cable till they die because they oh love God. watching like live reality tv shows like they love american <laughs> idol they love all of the like silly little dancing the ones that we said <laughs> that we hate oh, last yeah. week's episode my parents fucking love that shit <laughs> And they don't really like get, I mean, I think they, I'm not shooting at my parents. Like they're very smart individuals and they're not very old, but I feel like they don't really get that. Like you can watch the bachelor on Hulu. Like, I don't yeah. think they get that. You can just watch whatever's on live TV now on like multiple different streaming platforms. And my dad is in fact, one of those people that'll be like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to switch. Like they still have a landline. I've been telling them for years to get rid of their landline. And my dad refuses to get rid of the landline. See, that's crazy to me. Every time it rings, they, they turn it off. And I'm like, you guys, why do we still have this phone? If you are paying for it and you, you turn it off every time it rings. And my dad's like, am I supposed to make important phone calls on a cell phone? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> that's what? so fascinating to me i actually would be so interested in looking up if there are numbers about how oh many percentage God. of households still use landlines because i you're right like i don't know Awful. anyone even family members that still have a landline and then when i think back to like they when i was a kid i remember do you when you were a kid did you see vonage commercials all the time yes yes like yes. think about that and i now, think we had see landline commercials point. No, because yeah. nobody uses them. And it's yeah. like they had they it this is the one thing that irritates me so much. I will go off about this. <laughs> I don't know why they won't get rid of it. 
literally every <laughs> single time it rings, they're like, oop, let me turn that <laughs> off. Like, why are you paying for something if you're going to cringe and ah, every time it rings? <laughs> I think my dad still thinks that like the quality of calls that you can make on a cell phone are like that of like the quality of calls that you could make on a cell phone in like 2009. Oh, He's like, oh, I don't want my calls to get dropped and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that doesn't really happen anymore, dad, unless you're in an elevator. Like he just does not get it. <laughs> Even though funny. he literally doesn't make quote unquote important phone calls on his landline. So I don't know. I genuinely don't know if you're, if any of my parents are listening to this, Please, for the love of God, get rid of your landline. Ely is passionate about this. You should I work for it. a cellular company because you would be good at Dude, trying to pull it people away. It rings all landline. the time. When I lived with them, I was like, can we stop? And can I we like, end this now? I feel like landline ringers are so loud and annoying. They echo through the whole house. Three, they have three phones. Receivers. Yes. Uh -huh. So there's one mm -hmm. in the basement that's ringing and then one directly above it and then one in their room that's ringing. It's like, let's just stop. Let's stop. <laughs> Anyway, so let's move into our Cavalcade of Stories by HBO and HBO Max. As I've <laughs> talked about, they have now merged with um, Discovery. So now they're Warner Brothers Discovery. And David Zaslov is just literally taking a butcher knife and slashing oh, and up HBO. And it continues. And I don't get this. So apparently they're doing this to cut costs. I don't understand how much money this must be saving them. But HBO <laughs> Max in the past week... <laughs> has pulled 36 <gasps> television titles from HBO Max. Like originals or just in general? Originals and in general. Oh my God. So, yeah. So I, again, I don't understand how much cost this is supposed to save. Like, I I don't know how much hosting um, these TV shows on a server is costing them, but it just seems so unnecessary to me. And also you're driving people away from HBO Max. Why would I want to sign right. up when you're cutting all this shit? Also people like- have always said that like HBO Max is like quote unquote the best streaming service because they had like the most content. Like people were yeah. willing to pay that ridiculous monthly fee for all the stuff yeah. that they're getting. And now they're just like taking that positive feedback and being like, oh, oh you like that? Well, yeah, it's gone. I liked it when we had it. We don't have it currently, but yeah. So <laughs> so the content set to disappear, I think already has disappeared, include HBO Max originals. Uh, the biggest one that was probably cut was Generation, which, as you know, I loved. I came to love Generation. It, it was Rocky Star, but wow. I came to love that show. And I was sad That's that, shocking. A, it didn't get a second season. And B, now it's just gone. And also the thing that made the internet livid is they removed over 200 Sesame Street episodes. And Sesame Street what? is now not available on any other streaming platforms. Why are uh, they censoring Sesame Street? I don't know. And they also cut a shit ton of animated shows and unscripted oh shows. I'm, I'm sure Nick it. is sad because they removed 12 uh, dates of Christmas, which I know he liked. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> 12 dates of Christmas. He, that he loves that show, yeah. Uh, but this just makes me mad because I feel like I've talked about this in the past, but I just hate that for, for large parts of the media industry, there is like really piss poor media conservation efforts. I actually think music is probably the best can conserve because like go on Spotify and you can listen to almost anything right. really nilly. Um, books, you can go to a library, think about how millions books. of books are there, but with film, don't even get me started on video games because video games, <gasps> that conservation effort is non-existent basically. But for film, uh, maybe not so much film, but TV too, it's like in this scenario when 
now that we're in the age of streaming, when a streaming original gets removed, like generation, where the fuck are you going to watch it? No, that's like, that's what's kind of whack. Is that like, yeah, I feel like this is unprecedented. Like, we don't know. We, yeah, exactly. this has never happened. Like nobody's ever thought they had, like it thought it necessary to remove their own content from their platform. Yeah. And it's also, it's extremely rare for a streaming service original to get a home media release. In fact, I have, so Netflix did this really cool thing with uh, the first two seasons of Stranger Things where they released oh, them on Blu-ray yeah. in like the VHS cases. I've seen those. I've seen that those. was rad. And I have those two. Didn't even do it for season three. Don't think they have plans to do it for season four. So even like the biggest streaming shows, it's like a fight to get home media releases. So it's, yeah, it's like all this hard work that went into a show like Generation. Who's, who's going to be able to watch it and where are they going to watch it? And it is a possibility that when they make this new streaming service that we talked about, that's going to be Discovery and HBO combined that comes out next summer. Maybe that stuff will reappear, but why are they cutting it now when that's still like a year out? I don't get it. Yeah, I'm it's honestly stupid. shocked that they've removed some of their new content too. Like yeah. it's like the the one with Cole Sprouse and Lana Candor is so funny to me because they like just released that and they there's oh, still yeah. like all this promo for that movie that exists. Like they did so much like their press junket. They did like all the typical celebrity interviews. Mm-hmm. And then like, so now later, they're it's it just gone. empty promotion. Yeah. Like what? It's dumb. Uh, yeah, I don't get David Zaslav's strategy, but it is makes for very interesting entertainment news to follow. Oh, I'll totally. tell you that. Totally. So continuing with HBO, before we get into House of the Dragon proper, oh, there was a funny proper. little story where uh, HBO Max's customer help account on Twitter proactively reached out uh, to ask the main HBO Max handle if it needed help, like technical help. So the HBO Max account tweeted about an hour after the premiere of uh, House of the Dragon, the only thing that could tear down the House of Dragon was itself, hashtag HOTD. And then less than a half hour later, the HBO Max help account replied, hi, we want to help. Could you please let us know what device you're using? <laughs> <laughs> the tweet has been removed, but I just thought that was funny. When the bots are too smart. <laughs> yeah. So, oh my God, that's so funny. Moving into House of the Dragon proper, that is the Game of Thrones prequel that premiered on Sunday evening. And apparently it did boffo numbers. So it does kind of suck. It, it drew 9.99 million viewers. Not no. quite 10. Not quite 10. Not quite 10. But that's actually very shocking. Yeah, this includes uh, people actually watching on HBO and streams on HBO Max that same night. Uh, and this drew the largest audience in HBO's history, period. And I feel like you're going to have the same sen- sentiments, but this shocks me because I would have thought after the disastrous finale of Game of Thrones that Game of Thrones fans would be less interested in watching this. How do you feel? Are you interested in watching it? Well, I didn't watch it yesterday, partially because I was on an airplane, but also because we don't have HBO Max anymore. And because... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'm not actually. Let me tell you something. Okay, today's Tuesday, so this came out on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, yesterday, I saw a lot of people saying that they're getting fed up with um, male writers saying, "Oh, we want to," because apparently there's like a gruesome birthing scene that oh. depicts like five violent acts against a woman, and so. Uh, people are getting kind of sick of uh, male fantasy writers saying, oh, we want to pr- accurately portray the like misogyny of the time, 
even though the time that they're talking about is a completely made up era. Yeah, and exactly. Made up version this of isn't Mad Men. Like- <laughs> exactly. And so people are like very annoyed by that. And it's just like, we're getting really sick of it. And that was a big thing in Game of Thrones too. Oh, we want to accurately portray the misogyny of the time. And it's like, uh, what time? Uh, <laughs> what world? This is Westeros we're talking about. <laughs> Um, very weird. And of course, we know uh, Game of Thrones did a lot of that, just like gruesome, violent acts and graphic as fuck um, acts against women. And it's just like, I think it's it's kind of tired. Um, mm. But I don't know, I might watch it just because I'm curious. I actually joined the Game of Thrones Slack channel on my work Slack um, <laughs> as like motivation for me to watch it at some point so that, you know, if I get shit spoiled, I'd be like, well, it's your fault. Um, sorry. I didn't really answer your question. I don't know. <laughs> um, yes, the ending of Game of Thrones was so horrible that I don't really trust these people anymore. However, now that they've announced they're going to do like a whole Jon Snow spinoff, um, I would be interested in watching that. Yeah, that's interesting. See, and I, I've never watched Game of Thrones, but my opinion is that I I'm truly movie. tired of <coughs> TV spinoffs, uh, no, TV prequel shows mm-hmm. to existing properties i've talked about this at length with star wars please can we go forward on the timeline I come know. up with original ideas but that's the it's thing the, the where they left off with the timeline was so dumb and awful they're like shit we can't do that but i think oh, that's why they I chose guess. for the next spinoff to be john snow specific because that was the only part of the finale people were satisfied with <laughs> um another thing too i wanted to bring up was that I think recently somebody asked me, oh, I've never watched Game of Thrones. Should I watch it now? And I was like, well, honestly, I would not recommend watching it now. I feel like it's too late. The biggest draw that I feel like Game of Thrones had was like the fact that it was something that everybody across the entire world was watching every day or every week at the same time on the same day. Like that was fun. That sense of community that people got from watching Game of Thrones for years. That was fun but you don't have that anymore. So you're just watching this like horribly graphic show with mm. like crazy ass storylines that are hard to keep up with. All of your favorite characters will die. And then like, it's just, again, so graphic and intense to watch. Like you're just putting yourself through like this emotional, like turmoil for, for what, for no community. <laughs> so I Damn. told him, I was like, actually, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend watching it anymore. Maybe like five years ago. Yeah. I would have recommended it, but now I'm like, it's too late. So I feel like that's why people have been watching it, this new show because they like miss that. Like every Sunday mm. night, everybody across the whole world was watching the same piece of content. And I don't know if you've seen that TikTok, but somebody took a video outside of an apartment building in New York and you could like see the lights in like so many different apartments like changing at the same time because they were all watching. Oh, that's <laughs> the funny, <show>. actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I'd be down if maybe like once the run of the first season is over, if you wanted to sign up so you could binge it or something. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. We'll but see. worth talking about. Anyway, let's move on. You know who was in Game of Thrones? Pedro who? Pascal. Yes, he was. So we got, it's interesting because you texted me uh, a couple days ago that the first image of Pedro Pascal as Joel from the Last of Us series. Had yeah, been and then I saw they released the whole video. Not a whole yes, they, it wasn't really, they weren't yeah, really giving us It anything, was like but... an HBO slash HBO Max supercut trailer of things coming up, new seasons, blah, blah, blah. And at the very end, because they know it's like the most hype, they teased some footage from the Last of Us HBO adaptation. This is HBO, not HBO Max. I think that's worth noting. Um, <laughs> and so I watched that. And if you guys don't know, I feel like I've probably talked about it before. This is 
probably my most anticipated TV project no, totally. of all time because The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part Two video games are my favorite video games of all time. I think if you guys story, don't know, Zach took a whole day off of work just to play this game. This you the remember sequel, that? Yeah, the, the sequel. So first of all, the first game came out in 2013 and the sequel didn't come out till 2020. So imagine mm-hmm. waiting like seven years for a season two of like your favorite show. So yeah. yes, I took the Friday off that it came out and then midnight on Thursday, I started playing it. Uh, and I finished that 25 hour game in less than three <laughs> days, which was, I do not recommend because that was an emotionally taxing oh, I'm experience. I'm sure that was very wild. But anyway, those are my favorite games of all time. I think the storytelling, especially in 2013 when the first game came out is groundbreaking. I don't give a fuck what male critics said about the second game. The story in the second game was a phenomenal continuation of the first game and it looked incredible. And so I cannot wait for this. They only showed like, I think 20 brief seconds of footage in this little teaser, but we got to see a line from the directly pulled from the game. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to see a glimpse of uh, Nick Offerman as Bill. Yes, I saw that too. I didn't even know he was going to be in the show. I was yes, like, <laughs> Bill is an LGBT character. So that's oh. exciting. Um, I still need to see more from, I think her name is Bella Ramsey, who's playing Ellie. Oh yeah, she's from Game of Thrones. I need to see more because while I think Pedro Pascal looks exactly like Joel in the game, it's kind of freaky. I don't think Bella Ramsey looks like Ellie at all. Mm-hmm. But, and she's going to have like, if they plan to, to see this show to its conclusion like because spoiler alert but like last was part two like there's no a definitive spoilers. no i'm just saying there's a definitive end there i don't think there's a third game in sight like there's an end oh, to that story so? yeah which is fine with because i thought the ending was was beautifully done but she's gonna have to carry some hefty dramatic shit that's for true. the last the was part season. two stuff because so, like the first game is really more of like it's joel's pov and then the second yes, game is ellie's Ellie. pov Yes, but also I don't know how they're going to handle that because, well, first of all, I suspect the first game they're going to break into more than one season. There's just too much there. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know how they're going to do it because Ellie is older in part two. Uh, Like she is a young woman as opposed to a kid. So I don't know how they're going to handle that with Bella Ramsey. But anyway, I just wanted to talk (laughs) about this because I'm so excited. It comes out sometime next year. Yeah, I, I did read the Wikipedia. I actually read the Wikipedia before <laughs> Zach finished the game. So I knew how it ended and he did it. And that was really fun. Oh, for part two. Mm-hmm. Oh, girl, that blew my mind. Anyway, let's move on to our second theme for entertainment, which is the whole celebrity thing. Oh, so first of all, I want to talk back. about Amendola Stenberg, who she made a comment about a comment that New York Times film critic Lena Wilson made in their review for the film Bodies, 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 which Amanda is in. First of all, if you haven't seen that, go watch it, everyone. Wasn't it your media moment or no, it wasn't? It was not my media moment, but it is a great film. It will probably be on my top 10. Um, I loved it. But anyway, so like I said, Lena Wilson for New York Times in their review made a comment that the film doubles as a 95 minute advertisement for cleavage. What? Which is a weird comment to make, I think. That's very weird. What does that even mean? I don't know. And so Amendola wrote to Wilson on Twitter and she said, your review was great. Maybe if you had gotten your eyes off my tits, you would have watched the movie. (gasps) And she felt the need to apologize for this, which I think is stupid. Like, I think that's a valid critique to have. Like, why was this critic? Why would she say that? 
Right. I don't know. Like I would not have taken that. I, back. Would have been like, I, I said what I said. I would expect a male critic to write that, but yeah. not a, like, sometimes, what? Hey, you know what? It really be your own people sometimes. I guess. So yeah. Anyway, those comments from Mendela, uh, generated backlash after she posted to Twitter, but she made a Instagram video trying to explain herself, which I don't think she needed to, but she said, I'm receiving a lot of commentary on the internet for being a very naughty girl and for sending a DM. <laughs> Uh, that I thought was hilarious. Oh, sorry. This was a, a DM she sent to Lena Wilson. And Lena Wilson, kind of being snakish, posted the Ooh, DM. this like, is true. Get over it. I know. So uh, Amanda went on to say, there's a film critic and her name is Lena Wilson. She described Bodies, Bodies, Bodies as a 95-minute advertisement for cleavage, which I thought was hilarious. I'm proud that a piece of work I was a part of was described as such in such a renowned publication. I thought it was hilarious. I thought because Lena is gay and I am also gay as gay people, we would both find this comment funny. I was also curious to know what Lena would say to such a statement. Lena decided to publish it and also says that I'm homophobic for saying that. I am in Amanda's camp. I think Lena Wilson sounds like an annoying person. Like, what is your issue here? You wrote that line in your review, which I think is unsavory and was uncalled for. And the actress called you out for it. And she has a point, I think. So I don't think she should have apologized. I think it's stupid. Yeah, I would have stand by what I said, because that is kind of a stupid thing to say. Like, literally, just take your eyes off the cleavage. Yeah, especially when the film, it wasn't a bad film. The film is incredible in my opinion. So I don't right. Care. That's such a weird thing to say about a movie that had so much more to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, uh, Aubrey O'Day, do you know who she is? Do you remember her? Day. She oh. was a reality star. She was in Danity Kane. This is back in like the oh, early 2000s. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So first of all, <laughs> she's been, <laughs> she's been receiving backlash recently because she's She's been posting on Instagram like altered vacation photos and apparently stolen vacation photos. And she responded to this. Are you have you seen the picture? I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> she responded to this by posting an image of herself, photoshopped, obviously, hugging Jesus with her ass out. And first of all, I'm I, gonna, need... <laughs> I this is going to be my post for this week when we publish this episode. Okay, please. I'm literally just going to screenshot this exact <laughs> picture and post it and be like, if please. you want to know, you have to listen to our episode. That's it's it. so funny. So the caption to this picture was took the PJ private jet to heaven in the last 24. <laughs> Wanted to share with y'all how beautiful it was. Also ran into Jesus and we hugged it out. <laughs> oh my God. This caption is unhinged. Um, And I, you know how you guys, I like my dramatic reading. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to do a dramatic reading to another post she made on Instagram in response to the controversy (laughs) of this Jesus hugging image. Again, her full ass is out in this Photoshopped image of her hugging Jesus, but this was her defense. And it's so funny. (laughs) Not that I need to explain myself, but I've been in this industry for over 20 years and have been traveling the world since I was seven. If I want my Instagram to be curated like a museum of art, then that's what the fuck is going to happen. I'm an artist, a real creator. I do all of my creative from my music to my flicks, everything from my hair, glam, nails, styling, backdrops, editing, shooting. And the weather isn't always perfect when I shoot. And I vacation alone. (laughs) (laughs) Respect respect my aesthetic. I work hard to give y'all beautiful content that feels the way the places I travel vibrate because I want y'all to vibrate high with me. 
what does that wow. mean? I have no idea what any, and I love how she was just like, and by the way, the weather isn't always nice when I shoot. Like, okay. Like, who, okay. Who asked? It also blows my mind. It's not like Aubrey O'Day, who, no offense, but maybe full offense, is definitely D-list. She still apparently makes enough money to like go on vacations across the world. That makes me She's, jealous. <laughs> honestly. Or maybe it's those Danity Kane uh, residuals. I don't, yeah, know. I don't know, dude. But who listens to Danity Kane in this day? You don't. <laughs> no. <Just> kidding. <laughs> All I remember. Sometimes about I find O'Day. myself on YouTube watching the music video for that song. Um, damage, damage. That was them, right? I don't know. All I remember about Aubrey O'Day is that one, she was a really bad guest judge on Drag Race in season five, and she was back when my mom and I watched The Celebrity Apprentice. I know. Uh-huh. We used to watch that. She was on it at one time and she was also really incompetent. So that's what I know about wow. Aubrey O'Day. Uh, you know who's not incompetent? Michelle fucking Yo. We love so her. She recently did an interview on a whole spread for Town and Country. And by the way, let's note how stunning those photos were for Town and Country. Who shot those? I don't know, but you guys looked them up. She looks absolutely stunning. And of course, this is part of her gearing up for her Oscar campaign. And you guys, I think she's going to do it for best actress for everything ever all at once. I think she's going to do it because I think one, she's incredible in that film. Two, she's like an industry legend that has not gotten an Oscar yet. And three, I feel like too, sometimes the Academy, you know, when they're in the right mood, they want to like set go with and what, milestones and, and like i feel like go with like what society wants well not always but oh. i'm saying like if michelle yo wins best actress she'll be the first best actress of southeast asian descent to do so and i feel like they would maybe get behind that if like the wokeness is right but <laughs> she deserves it regardless she deserves it honestly and and so does kihoi kwan for best supporting actor as i well. love him so anyway she's gearing up for that oscar campaign but she said in this interview which i thought was funny she told a story about how uh quentin tarantino refused to cast her in kill bill so you know how have you seen kill bill volume one actually i haven't okay so there's a iconic fight between uma thurman and vivica fox two assassins towards the beginning of the film and quentin tarantino considered casting michelle yo as the vivica fox role but decided against it because according to him or he asked Michelle Yeoh, he's like, do you really think Uma Thurman could kick your ass? He basically is like, there's no way in hell that Uma Thurman would stand a chance against you. So I can't cast you because it wouldn't be believable. <laughs> I mean, which I guess he's not wrong. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. Because that was also like right after Couching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Michelle Yeoh's like breakout oh, American shit. role. Or, or it wasn't, it's not an American film, but like it was, it did well in America. So Anyway, I just thought that was funny. And lastly, we're finally getting to the end of entertainment. Jamie Foxx had an interview with Cinema Blend recently, and apparently he has a unreleased film that he directed called All-Star Weekend that he's lamenting about because of the current state of comedy. Oh, um, God, I'm yeah. so over this. I know. I'm so, so he, over men's... Oh, okay, sorry. I know. He shot this all the way back in 2016, and the cast includes Jeremy Piven, Robert Downey Jr., Benicio Del Toro, and Gerard Butler, and Eva Longoria. And apparently the plot of the film is... Uh, Jamie Foxx and Jeremy Piven star as two best friends who win tickets to an NBA event and their characters take a road trip to Los Angeles to attend the game. But during their journey, 
they have a bunch of wacky antics and down at Robert Downey Jr. Taking a page from Tropic Thunder where he played a black man. I don't know how you feel about that, by the way. Like that role got an Oscar nomination for some fucking reason. And it's a fine line because obviously like, yes, it was apparently a commentary on like yeah. on blackface itself, but also I feel like the really Oscar nomination was a little it? bit unnecessary. Um, yeah. A little extra. I will say like, I don't really like blame Robert Downey Jr. for taking that role. If it was meant to like be a commentary on blackface in general. Yeah. I feel like it's not really a good example of like, oh, so-and-so did blackface. And it's like, well, yeah, so-and-so did blackface because not because like, you know, it. I feel like it's not worth like the outcome of that supposed satire is not necessarily worth the act of doing it itself. Right. Like, I feel like it didn't like change the industry or like change how we see, like, you know, I don't know. I've never seen it. (laughs) Like there have been examples of like black artists that can do commentary on black, like, like there's this great uh, Spike Lee film that I feel like no one talks about called Bamboozled that came out, I think in 2000, it's starring, it's one of the weigh-ins and it's a common, it's a satire. Remember we were talking about satire last week? And right, I actually cited Spike say, Lee. Spike yeah, Lee has Spike, made some great good. satirical films, including this one, because it's like two black artists that are struggling with success until they literally start doing a minstrel show and then they blow up. So I feel like that's a great satire and it doesn't involve <laughs> white people doing blackface. It's a great movie. I would love to see that. It's great. But anyway, um, so Robert Tony Jr. was apparent. And again, this is shot like this is done. It's just not released. Robert Tony Jr. plays a Mexican man in this film. To try and copy what he did with also uh, why see that's the thing too why would you take a role like this again after you did that already and it's like now you're just what becoming the guy that does black and brown face yeah i don't i don't it's like dude you're iron man don't tarnish <laughs> your legacy <laughs> dude you're iron man stop it and, and like jamie fox i think he was trying to offset this too because apparently he had another role in the film where he was a white racist cop so like he did white face white makeup i would be interested to see what that looks like maybe <laughs> but it's just it's tired y'all like let's it's tired let's create stuff that's funny and that you don't have to be like oh should i do this should i not do this like you can just make funny stuff yeah i want to read the quote that he racist. said he said it's been tough with the lay of the land when it comes mm, to comedy we're trying to break open the sensitive corners where people go back to laughing again shut I'm up just, Jamie I'm, just over, I'm just over male comedians specifically being like oh you can't say anything anymore That's I just, just want to mean oh it back it's never Ugh. a good take it's never a good take. never a good take and I don't get why people keep saying it I'm it's tired just be funny like I think the key to comedy is don't punch down just be funny right. punch be up funny. like no one people don't care as much as I think comedians think they care about like being woke, so to speak. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm kind of tired know? of them saying like, woke too. It's like half of up. half of the funny TikToks going around are like self-deprecating humor. Right. If kids on the internet can be funny as hell and you can't, it's like, let's figure something out. Yeah. There's clearly a disconnect. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, let's move on to pop culture. And we're definitely not fitting this under an hour. I'm so yeah, sorry. I'm so sorry. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay <clears throat> i'll try and be swift 
Um, if you don't know already, Jeanette McCurdy released an explosive autobiography titled I'm Glad My Mom Died. Love which, that title. Yeah, is very <laughs> it's so good. It's shocking, but I feel like it does what it needs to do. Like it's shocking mm-hmm. in the sense that you're like, what? And then you read what her mom did to her and you're like, oh, girl. OK, for those of you who don't remember, no, Jeanette McCurdy is famous for starring as Sam opposite Carly and iCarly. If you don't know, um, how old Some are people you? might not know our parents. I don't know. You're either too old or too young to be watched to be this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jeanette McCurdy was, um, yeah, uh, what's her name? Miranda Cosgrove's uh, co-star on mm-hmm. iCarly, which was a Nickelodeon show produced by Dan Schneider, which we will talk about in just a second. Oh. And then um, she also went on to do a spinoff with Ariana Grande called Sam and Cat, which we will also talk about in just a second. Oh. So I'm not going to go super deep into it because I feel like so much content already has been made about this book and about the interviews that she's done following this book, but she covers a lot. She talks about like how she got into acting, which basically she was forced to get into acting by her mother and then talks about like the abuse basically that she endured from her, from her mom during her time as an actress, while her mom was also terminally ill with breast cancer. And then she talks about being kind of like, in a way, also, she grew up, uh, she was raised Mormon. And so I feel like that kind of led to her, you know, how when like sheltered kids turn 18 and then they do things for the first time and it yeah, sends them into shit. like a downward spiral. Yeah. That's kind of what happened to her. She like had alcohol for the first time with someone on a road trip and like remembers that being like one of the best nights of her life. So then she started associating alcohol with like happiness and then like became an alcoholic, was like drinking every single day, multiple times a day. And then also she talked about having a really bad eating disorder while she was filming iCarly. And if you don't know, if you haven't seen any of iCarly, which you totally should. I love that show. The <laughs> old one, not the new one. Oh, yeah, definitely <laughs> not the new one. Mm-mm. Sam, her character, Sam, is like a food obsessed character. She loves like snack cakes and like fried chicken and chili. And like she's always eating. But that was really hard for Jeanette McCurdy because at the same time, she was also struggling really hard with the eating disorder. And her mom was on her about having That's like sad. limited eating and like losing weight. Yeah, it was really sad. And then she also talked about like being being uncomfortable while working with Dan Schneider, who we now know is kind of like a creep and a pedophile. Skeevy, yeah. Um, and then she also talked about working with Ariana Grande, which she like really popped off about how much she hated her. Really? I didn't hear about this. Oh, she fucking hated Ariana Grande, oh. but it but she like made a point to make it that it wasn't out of spite or like hatred against Ariana specifically. It was about how she just received so much better treatment. Um like on, on the set of their show, like she was allowed to leave for things. There was a whole episode where they wrote her off because um, where they wrote Kat, a main, like one of the title characters off the, off the episode because um, Ariana had to like go do something for her music. And Sam was never, or Sam, Jeanette McCurdy <laughs> was never allowed to do that. And so she just thought it was like their treatment was so unfair that she just naturally began to resent Ariana Grande for it. Mm. Um, and there's more, but that's just like a little snippet of what she talks about in this book. And I've actually seen, and she does, she also does the audiobook. So if you want to get the audiobook, oh. it's read out loud by her. So I'm actually considered, I usually don't read nonfiction or biographies, but I'm kind of interested. I feel like a lot of people have been reading. I feel like it'd be juicy. Yeah. I would, I would read a whole book about like behind the scenes drama on these Nickelodeon and Disney Dude, shows. We especially watch. these um, Dan Schneider shows. Cause yes. it's like, it's kind mm. of, it's, it's a lot it's, it's yeah I, I don't even know what to say about it because like looking at some of the clips 
back as an adult and knowing that he's probably a pedophile, it's like, ew. I need Miranda Cosgrove to write a book. She was on Drake and Josh and iCarly. <gasps> You're right. So okay. <laughs> I would love for that, actually. We'll see. All right. Now I'm going to, this is very going to be brief because I don't know too much. I just know of like what people have been saying. And I guess there's a, a few important names that have been left off the guest list uh, or that were left off the guest list. So the, the Ben and Jen's wedding. Wait, but I thought they got married. They got, they kind of like a low. I think they the had like chapel. another, I think they had, they have, they're having, or they had like a bigger ceremony. Oh, okay. And okay. Apparently two people that were significant that were left off the list were Ben Affleck's brother, Casey. <gasps> well, he's a alleged <laughs> rapist. So that makes sense to me. And apparently, according to Demois, it's not that they like hate each other. It's that they're distancing themselves from each other. So, makes but sense. that's kind of like, you know, not inviting your own brother. Interesting. That's a statement. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And then also someone that I didn't realize was, super close to Jennifer Lopez is Leah Remini. Did you know that? They're like best friends. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know. Leah Remini has some interesting friends. She's like best friends with Michelle. With Visage. Michelle Visage. <laughs> I know it's so... so random, but she was apparently not invited to the wedding either. So people are like, Oh, interesting. Jayla's like, keep that Scientology mess out of my face. <laughs> well, isn't Leah Remini now like a huge anti-Scientologist? The stench still lingers. Okay. Just kidding. I hope Matt well, Damon was there. I don't know. He's like best friends with Ben Affleck. They've been like, I know they, became, they, they like came into the industry yeah. together. They were known so, as there's actually an episode, uh, a mention of them in friends that really like kind of shook me. Um, uh, where like Chandler's encouraging Joey to like try and write his own music or music movie. Mm -hmm. And Joey goes, Oh, like those Goodwill hunting guys. And I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> you mean Ben Affleck yeah. and Matt Damon? Yeah. They're like best buds. They're cute. That's cute. Aren't they Boston boys? Is that why they are Boston friends? boys? Yeah, I think so. Ew. Mm. Just kidding. <laughs> I've never been to Boston. <laughs> um, okay. Sorry. Hold on. I have to get Sherry some more water. Just one second. Ah. Okay. Sorry. It's like she waits <laughs> until I'm doing something to drink uh. all her water. Okay. So also this is unconfirmed, but I saw a jarring story yesterday about Charlie Heaton kissing a mystery blonde. And I was like, um, what? So apparently him and Natalia Dyer have broken up, but then also somebody responded to the story and they were like, oh no, those pictures are just a bad angle. Like that girl is married and her husband was like with them. I don't know if this person saw the incident and they were like, oh, Natalia and Charlie were at that girl's wedding and her husband was right there. But it's like, how do you get a bad angle? I don't know. I'm very interesting. Confused. Wait, did you hear this on Demont? Yes, it was on their story. They do, sometimes they do like a oh, what's that latest hot goss um story? And then people were submitting and somebody this was a story on Daily Mail and somebody like responded, like said something about it. So oh. I don't know. I meant to ask but, you, by the way, because I know you asked me to get this package while you were away and I just forgot. You got your Demois merch. What is it? You didn't tell it's me what a it is. Next sweater. What does it say? From their latest merch drop. So I'm actually sad because the one that oh. I really want is the like a non-please sweater. Oh my God. But the latest merch drop that they did, I don't think I got, I think maybe I did here. It looks kind of like, it looks like this, this person posted a picture of it. It's like a black sweater. So the theme of this one was like country oh. store theme. So it oh. says Demois oh. and then it says Malibu, California on it. That's cute. Um, Yeah, it's cute. I just really wanted Demois merch so that maybe I can show up on Sunday Spotted. <laughs> oh my God. And you love Demois. 
I do. My boss also <laughs> loves Demois. So yeah, it's very fun. Oh, sorry. Okay. The last thing that I want to talk about, I put in all caps because I honestly think that this timing is insane. So <clears throat> I think at this point, it's probably obvious that like Netflix must have some kind of like one year requirement with these couples because they're both getting divorced at the same time. And they're both getting divorced very shortly after their one year anniversary. But both of the marriages from Love is Blind season two are now over. Danielle, uh, ha- Danielle and Nick haven't publicly made a statement about it, but Danielle filed for divorce from Nick. And Ayana and Jarrett did make a very like kind of nice like joint statement together about it on Instagram. And they just said that their lives are going in different directions, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. It seems like they're still very friendly, though. They like tag each other in their Instagram stories and they're all hee hee ha ha, whatever. (laughs) But people were like, where is the after the altar special? Because that people saw them filming that like months ago, like a long time ago. Yeah. Now we're like, why has Netflix been holding on to this? And now it's going to be kind of awkward because the couples are divorced. But I think now they're like, fuck, we have to release it. We have no choice. Mm, you know, and so now me, that's coming out September 16th. Let me tell you, I cannot wait for this after oh, the altar. It's going to be so, so juicy in comparison to season ones, I think. And even yeah. the trailer, the trailer was like, oh, my God. Like, what shit is Mal going to say to make Sal feel bad again? What like, is she going to do? Also, like Shayna, Shayna's married Shana. now. She's married. Yes. Shayna. Oh my god. And like, what is this stupid shit? Like, I, I guess we kind of all thought it was for clout, but like, apparently, Deep T and Kyle actually are a thing, and we're gonna learn. They, about I that. think like, they've broken up now, but they oh were together god. for a while. I know. <laughs> See, this is messy. It's gonna feel like it's gonna be interesting because it's gonna be kind of out of date in a lot of senses, but also yeah. there's so much info we need to know. I know. Well, and it's funny because I remember I sent you a snap when I first started watching the season. I was like, all these people are horrible. They're rats. And so it's so funny now to watch all of this happen. <laughs> it's just, I, I've never seen a reality show or a season of reality show where my opinion of people expanded so much after it concluded. It's like the people right. I did really like, like Deep for instance. I, when we they talked irritate about this, me now. After that, oh it's my like, God. You're so annoying. It's because all these people went on this show like timid and unsure of themselves. And now that they know that they're hot, they're like, yeah. they're acting like it. And it's like, shut up. Please um, cast ugly else... people in season three. No, seriously. And somebody else pointed out how like in comparison to the first season, like it truly was like a full out experiment. Like they'd never done something like this. Mm-hmm. And so like, I feel like that's why those couples are still together. And now like people came on the show like, oh yeah, people love this show. Like I know I'm going to get famous. And it's just that's like- true. Very annoying. annoying. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's all I have for pop culture. All right. Let's shoot into these media moments. It's time for the media moment. And you are going first this week. I am? Yup. Okay. Well, this is difficult because... Um, I honestly didn't consume that much. I didn't consume any. Well, okay. I have consumed since we, sorry. Get it out. (laughs) I've watched Obi-Wan Kenobi and I thought that could be my media moment. However. You finish it? No, I haven't finished it yet. So I feel like I shouldn't talk about it yet. Plus I don't really like it. So (laughs) me neither. Sorry, not sorry. Um, It's just, it's again, it's tired. Um, okay. So my media moment for this week is the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo, which by the way, 
so many fucking people have been telling me to read this book that I just bought it because I was like, okay, shut up. Um, <laughs> but I was I was intrigued because also people have been saying, oh my God, this is the best book I've ever read in my life. Like people Damn. were going fucking nuts. It's over a queer this book, book, right? No. I, at least hey, I, wait, at least not I, yet. I, I literally I see it, it appear on so many like must read LGBT books lists. So there's something in there, girl. You're just not far enough, apparently. Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, there is one character. Mm. Mm. I hope that, I hope that there's, let's just say, I hope that there's more. There's one character uh, that I'm pretty sure is gay. Um, But I, I hope that there's more. Because if that's uh, all that they're going to say, oh, this is an LGBTQ book, it's not. Uh, um, Anyway, I, I kind of, I started it like a week ago because I, I only had purchased the first two Bridgerton books and then I finished the second one and I was like, oh shit, I have to buy the rest of them. So I was waiting for those to come and I was like, well, let me just start this Evelyn Hugo book because everybody and their fucking mother was telling me to read this book. And people were saying that it was like the best book they've ever read. And so I started it and I was like, uh, first of all, the print on the pages is microscopic. I've spent so much time reading this book and I barely made a dent in it because it's so tiny. The, I look hate at when this. that happens. Look at this. That is tiny. Like my I'd rather, eyes. I'd rather the, there be more pages if the text right. is Right, I need to see. <laughs> <laughs> so look, I'm only this far into the book and I'm on chapter 16. What the hell is that? That's crazy. That's like my biggest critique of it is that it's so tiny. Also, I have this issue where like when books are written uh, in first person, so like the character is narrating the story, I hate that because, you know, like as a writer, you want to use really descriptive language because like, of mm -hmm. course, like you're writing a book, but then do it from third person because nobody thinks in that descriptive language. So that irritates me so much. And people are like, oh, I grabbed the watery container of burrata cheese. You wouldn't, you don't <laughs> say that shit. That's literally a line from the book <laughs> that I just read yesterday. And I was like, oh, my bouncy curls fell out of their ponytail. Oh, Nobody thinks annoying. like yeah. that. Yeah. So it irritates me when books are written from the point of view from first person. And it's like a casual like, you know, it, it, it bothers me. And so the only part of the book that I really have been like into is like because it goes back and forth between like um, kind of like present speaking with the main character. Her name is Monique. And then like this autobiography that she's writing on this Evelyn Hugo woman, who's basically Marilyn Monroe, if Marilyn Monroe would have grown old. Um, and mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's, I don't know. Well, I have to finish it still, so I'm not going to judge, but I'm like, this is the book y'all are so obsessed with. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to have a follow-up media moment when you finish, because I would be interested, especially since, yeah. like I said, I see it on so many like best queer books lists. Okay, because like, I have a, so in the back of the description, it says that there's like a, a great forbidden love or something like that. And there's like unexpected, oh, like all this, there's, me. it sounds like there's going to be a plot twist. And to Ooh. me, I thought the plot twist was that Evelyn Hugo was secretly had a relationship with the main character, Monique's dad, because he used to photograph film sets. And the, the whole premise is that this woman, Evelyn Hugo was like mega star popular and she's ready to do like a tell all of her life. And she's had seven husbands and she finds, she calls on Monique Grant, this really small like blog writer who's like ain't shit.
at this point in her career, she's like, I'm only going to talk to you. And Monique is like, why? And Evelyn's like, because I said so. And she's just like, okay, there's obviously something here. Like, there's a reason you want me to write your book. So I'm trying. So I think like the big reveal is going to be like why Evelyn picked Monique. Yeah. But I'm like, what is it? love? And so I just assumed it was because she was in love with her dad. But now I'm oh. like, oh, is there something else? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'll just, I, I also do this thing where I read the last page of the book. No, I'm psychotic. I know. I feel like I have to. So I don't know. But yeah, that's my meeting moment. It's going okay. I'm intrigued. I get why people like, like this book. And a lot of people like zoom through it. But the text is so fucking small. I don't know how y'all be reading this book in like two days. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> my meeting moment. I think we'll be kind of brief, but I wanted to talk about the She-Hulk attorney at law premiere, Disney plus you guys, as much as I'm like, Oh, Marvel, there's no direction. I still be consuming their content. Um, every show that comes out. So I watch the She-Hulk premiere and I like everything about it a lot, except for like the kind of girl bossy esque feminism that's been written into it. So don't get me wrong. Like I'm here for like the, the messaging, of course, but at least in the first episode, that sort of stuff was just like so on the nose. And I, I think it frustrates me because I know that, I mean, in some respects it can't be helped, but I know that like toxic men, when they watch it, they're going to leech on that stuff and be like, oh my God, this show's fucking horrible. <laughs> Jesus right. Christ. Right. And so I just feel like if it were better implemented mm-hmm. or subtler, it would have worked better. But besides that, the show is called She-Hulk and Tatiana Maslany as She-Hulk, a.k.a. uh, Jennifer, forget her last name, is great. I love her. I think she's a star. I could easily see her on like the Avengers team. um, Ooh, okay. She is so funny without like trying too hard. And I also love how like the show and, and they and it comments on this. Because the first episode has a lot of Hulk in it, like Bruce Banner is in it. Mm. I was actually impressed with- Wait, how many episodes did they release? Just one. So apparently there's going to be nine. And this is something that does kind of frustrate me with with the Marvel shows. The format is all over the place. It could be six episodes or nine episodes or 10 or whatever. And some of them are half an hour. Some of them are 55 minutes or something. But I think they've realized the problem and we're going to get a secure format with She-Hulk because they've said- that it's nine episodes and all of them are going to be half an hour, which I'm down with. I'm down with like a half hour comedy Marvel type yeah, show. Yeah, hey, um, get me in, get me out. Yeah, exactly. But the first episode, I was impressed with how much money they spent on it because there was a lot of Bruce Banner, like I said. It felt like it felt like I watched a half hour of a film. Like it looked really good. And I will say, as concerning as the She-Hulk CGI looked when the first trailer, it looks good. It looks like something that could be in a, in a movie. It looks movie level. Um, and she was She-Hulk a lot in the first episode. I thought maybe she wouldn't be She-Hulk that much, but at least in the first episode, I would say half the episode, she was in She-Hulk form. Wow. So yeah, and and I like how, like there's no, I, I like the element that since she's a lawyer, like Jen is a lawyer in real life. Yeah. Um, she already has to like control her emotions so that she doesn't really struggle with like the anger that Bruce Banner struggled with for so long. And I like that. Just better at everything in general. Well, yeah, I, of (laughs) course that's, that's an issue that men are taking, uh, issue with. They're like, 
they're like, oh my God, she doesn't have to struggle. She just can be She-Hulk, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay. But I like, think- Well, women are better. But I think that's clever. Like that makes sense. She's a lawyer that has to control her emotions all the time. Of course, yeah. she would be better at, you know, manifesting that. So I just thought it was entertaining and, and funny and Tatiana Maslany is great. And I'm looking forward to watching more. Uh, I still think that they're going a little bit overboard with the amount of MCU shows. Mm, yeah of course i still think some like like echo is so unneeded that's coming out sometime next year but like and like some of the shows that (laughs) we know have been birthed simply because of the fan reaction to the characters so like well i don't know did they did we know that we we were getting an echo show already i don't know i feel like in addition i don't know yeah i agree i feel like it's a little unnecessary especially because like i don't know we got so much of her in hawkeye it's like yeah but i think i think the the avenue for mcu shows like they work best and i think they've been leaning more in this direction i think they work best when they're operating at a smaller scale but not like in a cheap tv way like in a okay this is a story that needs to be told but it's not big enough to to garner like a film so i feel like hawkeye was very much like that miss marvel was like that and i think she hulk is definitely going to be like that where it's more of like a oh apparently it's going to be more of like a workplace comedy thing than like a <laughs> prolonged story, but I'm open to that. You know, I think that's an interesting route to take. So like I'm going to something keep that they it. haven't done yet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to keep watching it. And I, I think the main reason is just because of Tatiana Maslany. I think she absolutely kills and she's such great casting. And yeah. like I said, I really, really am excited to see her in like the next Avengers film. I think she would fit into a new team so well, and they need them. They need muscle, obviously like if Hulk's <laughs> not going to be there. So I think you should watch it. You should try it out. No, I think I will. Um, although I guess I did say I would watch Miss Marvel and I haven't watched that either. But so why do why. you I hate like... Pakistani people? No, I'm sorry. It's just it's because Moon Knight, I was so Moon excited was and then good. it wasn't good. And I'm just like oh. Yeah, Moon Knight is the only MCU show I have not finished. I only watched half of I it because it was so it boring. But Miss Marvel, I will say, like I said, I think the last two episodes are weak but the start of the first half of miss marvel is so strong that's what kept me watching it until the end so we'll see what happens with she hulk and the next show is what is the next next show show? what is the next show i'm thinking is it is it secret invasion no no we're doing on the fly looking up we're gonna we google something at least once an episode we're googling it why is my safari taking so long to launch Oh my God. Okay. When is the next MCU show? <laughs> What's next? She-Hulk and then well, Black Panther and then Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. And then what if season two? That doesn't count. See, I really think it is secret. What? How does it not count? It That's, counts. It, it's a show. No. It's an it animated spin-off because show. You don't watch it. No. no. So, okay. The next canon. Li- the next live action MCU oh show okay. is Secret, Secret Invasion. Invasion, spring of next year. So I was right. Right. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's the end of that. We should wrap up. But I did want to say, so Ely and I talked about this. You guys, season three is coming to a close. It was going to come to a close right after Labor Day because that seemed like a clean break because that's when your blackout dates start for your job and election season. But then we were like, well, D23, which is the big Disney 
convention. It's the first one they've had in like a couple of years where we're expected to get a shit ton of Marvel and Star Wars news is happening the weekend after Labor Day. And it was revealed that my dad is coming to visit DC and Ely will finally get to meet him and Brett. Finally. So our last episode of season three is going to be on, it's going to drop September 15th so that we can talk about D23 and the meeting of dad. And then we will go on hiatus for slightly less than two months. Forever. We we need to come back to talk about Black Panther, which I think is, is, I think that's the weekend (sighs) after election day. So that, that works out, right? Yeah. But I feel like it might be, we might need to take a, a, like, like how we did last year, which is so crazy that like the holidays are, are going to come up so fast. Mm -hmm. Like, I cannot believe it. So I feel like we're going to need to do what we did last year for the holidays. Like take like a one to two week break. Well, yeah. So that yeah, we yeah. can both be in our vibes, you know? Well, yeah, but we'll come, we'll come back right after midterm election day. So that we can talk about Wakanda forever. Cause we're not missing that. Um, so it'll be a slightly less than two months, but you got three episodes left of us after this one. Um, and then Ely has to go help assure the future of. I have to nation. go get out the vote. You guys. Yeah. So just a heads up that that is, that is coming. Yeah. Maybe I'll make Zach a volunteer canvas with me or something. You're funny. (laughs) You guys, you hear that? Zach doesn't want to help protect democracy. Wow. Okay. This is going to sound controversial, but (gasps) I don't don't necessarily understand the point of canvassing in DC when DC (sighs) is like 90% blue. Why? (laughs) I'm not going to be canvassing in DC. Oh, okay. I was like, wh- I was, why not go to Virginia no, or something? We don't do that. Where are We're you going to be canvassing? Debited. Uh, I don't know yet. <laughs> well, I feel like if you're canvassing in like Virginia or something, I would go because that seems more of a fruitful effort. But DC doesn't need much help. Well, maybe they do because they're out here voting for Muriel Bowser for another term as mayor. Dude, so yeah, I don't know what y'all are up to. I think people do that like because they feel bad. It's like, the white that they liberals. Don't want- it's yeah, the white liberals. it's because she's a black woman and they're like, oh my God, we love her. It's like, guess what? You can you can hate on black women if they're politicians that aren't doing shit for your city, you guys. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> the problem. That's like what I struggled with Milwaukee too, is that everybody wanted a black mayor so bad. And it's like, but what about police reform? But what about, yeah. you know, it's like, but what about keeping police out of schools? It just sucks. What about it that? Really, it really is. Uh, it really does let you down because the notable uh, women of color and power all seem to like support police like Muriel Bowser, Kamala Harris. Uh, low key Stacey Abrams. We Wait, won't talk really? About she really? like said something about how she's not going to defund the police. Yeah. Like, oh, oh I don't believe in defunding the police, but here's the problem as a black person and as a woman, I feel like you have to say shit like that if you want to get elected. And that's what's sad. Right. It yeah. is sad because you, I mean, as anyone, you can't, you can't, I feel like we will never, well, not never, but in this, in this economy, we will not be able to elect somebody that's like openly willing to defund the police and say all that stuff because we need, we need the middle, the, the people in the middle are the people you have to convince, you know? And it's like, those people aren't, aren't going to want to hear defund the police. They're going to want to hear something else. So it's, it's yeah. a struggle. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, we're going to go. Anyway, and we love politics. We yeah, love America. We love politics, no, we yeah. don't. Mm-hmm. Love it. Loves it. Yeah. <laughs>
Anyway, we'll we'll be back next week. <laughs> <laughs> Toodaloo. <laughs> Have a good night. Have a good All night. All that jazz. Yeah. <laughs>